Hi, I'm Mitch Casper, and welcome to WinnipegHockeyTalk.com's Random Thoughts on the Winnipeg Jets, the audio version. This is going to be short and sweet, so let's get at it. No questions? Good. Just uh, overall thoughts on that one. Overall thoughts? I'm so disappointed and disgusted right now. That's my thoughts. Where does the disgust come from? Pardon me? Where does the disgust come from? No pushback. But it's the same crap we saw in February. It was. That's why we... So as soon as we were challenging for first place and teams were coming after us, we had no pushback. This series, we had no pushback. Their better players are so much better than ours, it's not even close. It was like you've been holding these feelings on for a bit. Is it just yep. out of tonight's game or finally wanted to release that? It's, it started with, back in January and February. What is it about this team's leadership core that or the top-end players you, you've talked about? we got to push back. There's got to be a pushback. There's got to be pride. you got to be able to push back when things aren't going your way. We had no pushback. Their better players were so much better than ours tonight. They deserved to win. They were the better team in the regular season. They were the better team in this series. Anything else? Good. Thanks. Well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. There's the 56 seconds that caused the big shitstorm in Winnipeg. You know, between the coach, some of his players, the media, and the fans. Um, We'll touch on a lot of this stuff later on in my random thoughts. But my first thought when I heard those statements were, wow, he's a... Looks like he's taken Chevy and Mark Chipman off the hook. Although I thought his statements were indirectly directed their way too. So uh, we'll touch on this stuff later on. But let's just start with my first thought. And most of my thoughts were written basically during the game, in between the game. But well before the shitstorm hit with the uh, the season-ending interviews, etc., etc. So let's go. Uh, num- in number one, I say... Rick Bonus got his team to buy in for about half a season, but like they say, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Goals 51 seconds in the first period and 43 seconds into the second period in an elimination game just about say it, says it all. Um, my thought on that thought was that, and we've heard this before from all kinds of coaches, but even Rick Bonus himself has said that... Uh, you know, things were going good. They were playing the right way, blah, blah, blah. But as soon as they got their backs up against the wall or got a little bit of pushback or resistance, they they seemed to revert to their old ways and their bad habits. And that's just human nature. Now, it's human nature for this team because they did, this team has never had a great work ethic and uh, a lot of um, great defensive team play. So when things start to go the other way, uh, they get a little scrambly. And, of course, uh, uh, they went through a streak there where um, they couldn't score. They weren't giving up a lot, but they couldn't score. And uh, their defensive game kind of, maybe they started cheating the game a little bit. And everything kind of fell apart in... in, uh, January, February, and that's where Rick Bonus is referencing the same old crap he was dealing with in January, February. So yeah, that uh, it reared its ugly head in the playoffs, and it is what it is. Number two, 
Game 5 left a sour taste in most Jets fans' mouths, me included, but I want to remember the 5-1 win in the first game and the third period comeback in the third game. It wasn't all bleak. Yeah, there were some, there were some real good, fun moments in this series. And for the most part, you know, games 1 through 4 were pretty good hockey. Uh, I don't know what happened in Game 5. Um, it was a letdown. I mean, they always say that the, the toughest game is the elimination game. It's hard to eliminate a team. Well, the Jets uh, didn't have much uh, fight in that game, and uh, that's probably why the fan base and the coach were so disappointed. But, uh, yeah, no, it wasn't a good look. All right, and number three, this is, pretty, this is just me talking here. For me, it was just like 2018 all over again. The Jets win game one in the Vegas series and then get swept in the next four. Maybe this series lost, though, in the first round to Vegas is a blessing in disguise. And Rick Bonus's post-game presser finally opened Mark Chipman's eyes to the bigger problem on this team. The biggest problem is the team's construction and makeup of the players, including the architect. You know, since the 2018 run, the team has changed quite a bit. We went from a big physical, heavy team to a team that, let's face it, our defense is not the same defense as we had in 2018. We had a lot of big, tough guys, and it seems like our blue line right now is, uh, they're kind of all the same type of player. Uh, individually, you could say something good about all of them, all of them, and like them all, but what this back end lacks is... Uh, they lack a buff. They lack a trooper. <laughs> I mean, those guys aren't easily replaced. But uh, I hate talking about the past. Those guys are gone and we have what we have. But uh, obviously, it's not working. And like I say, on an individual basis, you can say good things about a lot of these guys. But as a collective group, they're not getting it done back there. Um, number four. Well, the season's over. Kyle Connor should have no problem getting out of town. He's used to taking the perimeter. Now, I couldn't leave it without uh, taking my final parting shots at Kyle Connor, who was a major disappointment this year. And uh, we'll <laughs> I have much more to say about him later on, but I'd, I needed to poke my, give him my last shot, and it was meant as a joke. Now, I feel bad for Connor a bit because, you know, uh, I've been picking on him all year, but uh, he's really taking a beating from the fan base now. Uh, it took a long time for him to to take this beating because I've always thought he was covered in Teflon, but uh, but more and more people are seeing it. So, um, yeah. Uh, moving on to number five. I may be a crusty old curmudgeon, but I've been around for some time and I'm occasionally right. And then below, I... Um, I posted a, a tweet that I had uh, put on during the game, put on Twitter during the game, and in it I say, I disagree with fans saying PLD has checked out. He has been absent from practices and morning skates. He must be injured, and it looks like he's laboring. Let's not jump to conclusions until we know all the information. Then just below that, I have big, bold red letters. This is why you can't jump to conclusions until you have all the information. And below that, I have a tweet from Winnipeg Sun Scott Billick, 
who was obviously there for the uh, the postseason pressers and whatever. So he tweeted out, Pierre-Luc Dubois says one of his hips was bothering him, nagged him most of the year and into the playoffs. Only way to fix it is not to skate. Well, there you go. Like I said, I've been around for a long time. I know <laughs> players don't quit. If they're on the ice, they try it. It's a misnomer. They may get beaten down. They may get worn down. They may be uh, a little bit defeated, but nobody completely packs it in. So I disagreed with that that sentiment. Like in Twitter, it was just rampant. Oh, PLD's checked in. He's quit. He's that. He's this. You know, I've watched enough hockey. I'm 67 years old. I've seen this shit before. You can tell when guys are playing hurt especially when they don't play the same type of game they'd regularly play and they don't turn it off and on you're the type of player you are is the type of player you are and I noticed that uh, during the series even though PLD took some stupid penalties trying to hit guys he wasn't nearly as physical as he had been for most of the year and uh, I knew I knew something was up so obviously that's what it was he had a bad hip moving on to number six I'm done with Mark Hillier as our head scout unless he gets a new director from management on the type of players the Winnipeg Jets need. We don't have enough character guys that have gone through the playoff grinds of the CHL and even more so the WHL. I've had enough of the figure skaters from the USHL. This is not a Canada versus US thing but more of a style of play thing. I really don't care what nationality a player is as long as they compete and play a 200-foot game. And this is a touchy subject when you start talking about leagues, uh, nationalities, and that, you know what, I'm a WHL guy and I'll always defend them. And the reason I like the CHL players maybe a little better, I mean, you get great players from every league, don't get me wrong, but the CHL is probably the closest thing you're going to get to NHL hockey as far as scheduling, playoffs, and style of play. It's like a mini version of the NHL. You know, they play best of seven series. They travel. It's none of this rah, 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 cheerleaders in the stands, two weekend games, uh, you know, the Frozen Four, like a one and out. Yeah, we have that. It's called the Memorial Cup. But to get there, it's a fuck of a grind. You just don't show up and, you know... So, yeah, I'm, I'm a dumping a little bit on the NCAA and the USHL because I've, I've always been pro-CHL and, of course, pro-WHL. I just think it's a, there's a reason that it's a training ground for NHL players and why so many players come out of you know, these leagues is because it's basically, <laughs> it's just a, it's, it's like, it is kind of like playing pro hockey. It's uh, regimented, it's coached the same way. Uh, I think it's better training, but then again, I'm very biased in this, so <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. Number seven. I don't know what to say about this. Connor Hellebuck, one in four, three point four four goals against average, with an eight eighty six save percentage. Not stellar numbers at all. This was definitely not regular season, Helly. You know. Players and goaltenders, they build their reputations on playoff success. And to be honest, Connor Hellebuck 
really hasn't been very successful in the playoffs. You know, and a lot of that is you know, partly to do with the team. But um, he really hasn't stolen a game. Uh, we expected that to win this series, he'd probably have to steal one or two. And he never really came close. His best game was the first game. I mean, it sounds like it was a 5-1 game, but it really wasn't. It was closer than that. Uh, we got a late empty net goal and a late power play goal. It was a 3-1 game, and he did he did very well in that game. But for the rest of the series, he was you know average at best. And obviously, with the, the team in front of him and a couple of the injuries, the average wasn't good enough. Uh, we'll move on to number eight. I'm not going to spend a lot of time here. Uh, the Winnipeg Ice are off to a 2-0 lead over Saskatoon Blades in the uh, Eastern Conference Final. Um, be nice if they could wrap it up in four or five, have some rest, and watch Kamloops and Seattle battle it out. That'll be a really good series. And I guess, in a way, we're kind of cheering for Kamloops because if Kamloops wins that series, then uh, the final doesn't matter. The ice will be in the Memorial Cup no matter what. Although, if Seattle wins, then we get a first-hand look at Jets prospect Brad Lambert, who's been absolutely tearing it up in the playoffs so far. So, uh, either way, we're winners. Uh, I think I would prefer Seattle to win, because I want to get a first-hand look at Lambert, because that series should be a long, tough one. Moving on to number nine, quotes from Garbage Bag Day. Just so there's no confusion... These are quotes from the year-end player pressers, and these are not exit interviews. Exit interviews are private and conducted between the coach and GM with the players individually. So we'll move on to the first one was Blake Wheeler's reaction to Rick Bonus's blunt <laughs> Game 5 post-game post comments. And Wheeler says, I thought Bones had an opportunity to address us as a team. He could have been honest with us, handled it behind closed doors. I didn't like how he handled himself after the game. We can all be upset and pissed off, but let's do it face to face. And he goes, you guys, and pointing at the media, don't have to be involved. Well, from what we've heard, uh, Rick Bonus let him have it pretty good after the second period. And uh, so it was it was handled internally. And, and I get that Blake Wheeler's taking the bullet for the team here. Um, personally, um, I was quite surprised by Bonus's comments. But then again, I wasn't. He was frustrated and pissed off. And it, it is what it is. Um, moving on to Connor Hellebuck um, on his UFA status for next summer. And Helly says, it's a hard question to answer. It's a lot to think about. We are only two days removed, and my main goal is to win a Stanley Cup, and I'm starting to run out of time. I can feel it. I just want to win a cup. I don't know what the future of this team looks like. I don't know what their plans are. I don't know if I'm in it. I'm not interested in a rebuild. And as we go on through the, the player quotes, um, it was quite, quite apparent that uh, none of the current Jets players have an appetite for a rebuild. Well, of course they won't. I mean, they're the current players, and uh, they want to protect their cushy jobs, right? Moving on to Kyle Connor. He said he wished Rick Bonus would have addressed it with the team first, and that he'll talk to him about that face-to-face. -face. In Bonus's post-game comments, Connor saw an emotional guy that just wants to win, 
and understood that Rick Bonus was emotional after the game. Then he said, goes on to say, I don't think anyone in their mid-twenties wants to be part of a rebuild. I want to compete for a Stanley Cup every year. <laughs> oh, fuck, I just about pissed myself when I read that. Uh, the word compete. He hasn't shown any fucking compete in, uh, <laughs> in months. Um, and what's he going to say? What's he going to say to Rick Bonus when he addresses him face-to-face? Yeah, oh, yeah, I was a piece of crap the whole playoffs. I haven't done fuck all since uh, the All-Star break. Um, And here's the thing about when you want to go back to the Blake Wheeler comments. When Rick Bonas made that statement, and he basically said, Vegas' best players were better than our best players. And that's, that's the truth. Now, when he, and when he went on his tirade, I don't think he was talking about every Winnipeg Jets player. He was talking about the top players. And I'm not sure Bones classifies Blake Wheeler as one of his top players. And if he does, then he was completely wrong because Blake Wheeler gave it all he had. He was probably one of the few guys that was consistently competing the whole series. We know where those comments were directed at. They were directed at, number one, Kyle Connor, Mark Scheifele, Pierre-Luc Dubois, um, you know, the guys in that room, if they have half a fucking brain, would know who he was talking about. Adam Lowry certainly would know that he, <laughs> they weren't directed at him, either with Josh Morrissey or guys like uh, Dylan DeMello, Brendan Dillon. Their compete is always there. So um, it doesn't take a rocket science scientist to figure out who those comments were directed at. And I say culprit number one was Kyle Connor. So I don't know what he could possibly have to fucking say to bonus to, to justify uh, anything. Um, and I'm just going to leave that at that. Let's move on to Nino Niederreiter. Niederreiter said he has had a great experience in Winnipeg and would like to be here next year and beyond, but has no appetite for a rebuild. Geez, where have we heard that before? He doesn't think the city has one either. I do have a good feeling about this team, and I'm sure they will do something to make us great again next year. Well, we'll see what the offseason holds there, Nino. I would like to stay here next year and even longer. I didn't know much about Winnipeg when I arrived, and he says he enjoyed his uh, experience in the city and sees it as a place he'd like to play. Well, you know what? That's always refreshing to hear something like that. You know, and it's funny you get that a lot more from European players. Winnipeg seems to be a lot like a lot of these guys' hometowns in, you know, Sweden, Finland, and in this this case, Switzerland. You know, Nina was a kid that came over early, and he played junior with my Portland Winterhawks. And uh, so, yeah, he's he's moved around, you know, from a young age. And, uh, you know, Winnipeg's not so bad. Uh, He seemed to like it here. And he's played in, you know, Nashville and Minnesota. So, you know, he's, he's had a look around. Uh, moving on to the next one. This is going to be interesting. This is uh, Mark Scheifele. And Scheif said, What Hellebuck does beyond this coming season will impact his decision. Both players are one year removed from UFA status. And he also said that uh, playing for one franchise would mean a lot to him, especially since Steve Eisenman, who was his favorite player growing up, and he played his whole career in Detroit. Scheif also added, though, that there are two sides and everything is not within his control. Uh, right now, Scheife is the whipping boy. Fans want him out of town. 
Um, I have no idea what his future holds here. Uh, only Chevy knows. Um, I don't know that uh, Kevin Sheveldayoff would have much of an appetite to trade Shife if they're going to be losing Pierre-Luc Dubois. So who knows what's going to happen here. I know Shife has his warts. He's gotten a lot of criticism this year, but the fucking bottom line, man, is he scored 42 goals. <laughs> and he went through a stretch where he didn't score for quite a while. He could have been 45 to 50. Um, so, yeah, sometimes his worth, work ethic is questioned. Uh, same with Kyle Connor. It's kind of funny they played together so much in the past six years. But, uh, yeah, it's not easy to replace 42 goals. So we'll see what happens here. Moving on to Pierre-Luc Dubois. PLD said he had no issue with what Rick Bonus said. He would have also preferred Bonus said it face-to-face. -face. He also says, and this is what I find very interesting, he'd like a long-term deal this summer as opposed to another one-year deal, which would walk him into UFA status. Well, the only way he gets a long-term deal this year is if he signs with the Winnipeg Jets or he gets traded to Montreal, Boston, whoever. I mean, Chevy can trade him wherever he wants and wherever he goes, uh, maybe they do a sign-and-trade, uh, whatever. But uh, I just kind of found that that was an interesting statement to make. So to me, it sounds like he expects something to happen before the next season. So does he get traded at the draft? Um, does he sign a long-term with Winnipeg? Who knows? This next one from Adam Lowry uh, caused a little bit of, not I wouldn't say a stir, but it opened up a lot of eyes. And it wasn't really a surprise to me, but uh, Adam Lowry said, Players still viewed Blake Wheeler as the captain of the team, despite him losing his letter. And uh, I'll, I'll move on to the next one also. And Josh Morrissey also said, Morrissey reiterated that that wasn't a player decision. And lots of players on the team echoed those thoughts. So, I mean, and the thing was, Rick Bonus did strip him of the C, but he also told Blake Wheeler, I would still expect you to be a leader on this team and this and that and whatever. Maybe that was the problem with the team not assigning a Lowry or probably Josh Morrissey, uh, the captaincy. But uh, I found that interesting. And, um, you know, people want to say that he's part of the problem. He's the cancer. Him and Shifley together were the cancer. I don't know. You know, we hear all these rumors and then you hear so much stuff to the, you know, that's opposite, you know, obviously, uh, there's a good bulk of this team that still follows that leadership group. So, um, maybe it's a deeper problem or maybe it's not a problem. I don't know. Like I say, there's a lot of fucking speculation. Everybody's a fucking expert on Twitter. Oh, fuck. It drives me crazy. Oh, it's in the room. It's Shifley. It's Wheeler. It's this, it's that, you know what? And even our mainstream media guys, they really don't know. They speculate. And I'm sure they hear things that they don't dare write about. But you know what? Nobody knows what the fuck goes on in that room but the players and the coaches. Um, yes, there is something brewing in there. I don't know what it is. Uh, is it overblown? Is it just an excuse when we lose? I mean, I've been watching sports for 55 fucking years. And I'll tell you one thing about locker room. 
The players don't have to like each other. They don't have to like their coach. They don't have to like their GM. But when the fucking puck drops or the whistle blows, it's go time. And I don't know that there's many players. There's In history, there's players that fucking hated each other's guts. But they played together because everybody... All these guys have one goal in mind, and that's to win. So I don't buy... You know, like I say, I'm an older guy. I've seen a lot of this stuff. And I don't buy into half the crap and half the rumors we hear about. Um, but I'm not dumb enough or naive enough to, to not think that there's a problem. And like, like they say, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. <laughs> we'll move on to Nikolai Eaters. I love Nick. <laughs> this is so Nick when you read these quotes. He goes, What happens in the offseason, I have no idea. I have no say. I don't want any say. <laughs> I am a terrible in fantasy leagues. So I wouldn't help help out very much. I am here to play hockey for the Winnipeg Jets. Unfortunately, I haven't been able to do that much this year. Yeah, and that's true. Uh, Nick only played 45 games. And it's one thing to, to be injured, miss games, come back, and then to get injured again. Like, you're basically starting from scratch all over again. So, yeah, I love Nick Eaters. I hope he's back next year. I hope that Chevy doesn't do something stupid like move him. Uh, I really like like him. Then let's move on to uh, Rick Bonus comments. This is really strange because the the hockey team had its players do their uh, postseason media availability on Saturday, and Rick Bonus and Kevin Dayoff were supposed to do theirs on Sunday. But I think there was a bit of a bones wanted to walk it back a bit I guess probably after hearing the player interviews and he came out on Saturday and did the interview after everybody else and uh, this is what he said Uh, the players were probably right about how I handled my post-game comments after game five but the clear message is I will never accept that effort in a game then he goes on to say disgusted that was a word I regret using after game five. But in saying that, I never want them to be satisfied with the old, we made the playoffs. Um, I get it. And I, <laughs> there's either one, a couple things happened here. Either Mark Chipman, Kevin Shevel day off, and Rick Bonus got together and said, you better get out there and fucking douse this fire. Or Bones... Um, heard it and wanted to clear it up ASAP, didn't want it to fester overnight. Either way, um, you you know what? There's two sides to this. I'm of the side where you very seldom ever hear a coach go off like that on his team publicly. It's always done behind doors. And our fan base was going, ah, it's about time we heard some of this. Yeah, maybe the timing wasn't right. Uh, it was, you know what, it really wasn't a good look for the team or the franchise, especially after their <laughs> True North Sports and Entertainment put out that uh, those videos and that about supporting the team. Uh, you know, we need your help or else we're going to leave, playoff drive, bullshit, whatever. Um, yeah, to me, this was uh, trying to put out the fire, but uh, uh, move on to number 10, and I kind of addressed this. 
And I say that there's probably not one player in any other sport that have, would have said anything different than the Jets players were saying about Bones handling it internally. Then I go on to say that I'm sure he has tried many times but has fallen on some deaf ears. I also believe his short tirade was also aimed at the two in the ivory tower. I mean, when he tells, when he tells the media, like when he was super frustrated there that they were the better team all year. They are a better team. Their top players are better. Well, the, <laughs> who the fuck is he aiming that at? That, that to me is aimed right at the top. And that's at Chevy slash Mark Chipman. Because I'm going to, those, as we were going to find out in a couple of my later random thoughts, those two fuckers are tied at the hip. And um, that's why Chevy still has the job today. But that's leading on to the next question. I went to the poll question. Playoff success or failure, notwithstanding, should the Jets be in rebuild mode this season? And this is number 11. And uh, the, <laughs> the voting came in, and it was, uh, it was <laughs> very dominant with uh, two answers that kind of blend together. Yes, full rebuild, but not with Chevy as the GM. And yes, a rebuild but not a full teardown type of thing, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and then below that, I have the uh, prototypical cartoon of the villagers rioting with their pitchforks and the fire. And uh, on the very front lead guy, I put Mitch on there. That was me leading the charge. Uh, little joke there. But uh, then I go on to say here, um, there is absolutely no defending Chevy anymore. He is the only GM the Jets have ever had, and this team has won three playoff rounds in 12 years. Most GMs would have been replaced years ago. Chevy has gone nose blind to his own work, and so has Mark Chipman. And then below that, I posted uh, one of my uh, tweets on Twitter, because uh, everybody figured, oh, this is the end of Chevy, and this and He's, he's gone. He's got to be gone now. And like I said, I've seen this dog and pony show before. This is what I tweeted out. We all know if Kevin Sheveldayoff is still the GM, and based on history, there's no reason to believe he won't. There will not be a complete teardown, but maybe a retool. And yes, there will be changes. Architects, even bad ones, don't tear down their own buildings. It's your move, Mr. Chipman. Well, here's Mr. Chipman's move. And this is reported, uh, well, Scott Billick put this out from the Winnipeg Sun, but we also, we also heard it during the hockey game that Elliot Friedman had reported that Kevin Sheveldayoff will be back. And uh, so that's what it says here. Kevin Sheveldayoff will be back as GM next season, reports Elliot Friedman. And then below that, I posted a tweet from a buddy of mine, Rodel Batista, who is RoddyBats13 on Twitter. And this basically... No, this this is so poignant, poignant and says it all. At the end of the day, it's the organization that sets the culture on the team. These guys didn't assemble themselves. This is squarely on the front office. Well, fucking right. No shit. Exactly, Roddy. That's exactly right. These guys didn't assemble themselves. So whose blame is it? Obviously, it's Chevy's and it's Mark Chipman's. It's, it's unbelievable how those two guys stick together. Um, and this is their mess. They caused it. So, yeah, whatever.
Now moving on to the uh, my uh, weekly question for Rick Bonus, Kevin Chevel, Day Off, or Mark Chipman, number twelve. Uh, this question was for Rick Bonus, and the question I had for Bones was answered, <laughs> asked, and answered on Saturday during the year-end presser. I said, "Will you be back next season?" And his answer was an emphatic yes. So. Um, uh, FYI, Bones has one more year left at $2.5 million and an option for a third season, a club option that is, for $3 million. So, yeah, he fully intended to be back, um, which isn't a surprise. Uh, and I'll be honest, he's, he, he has done some good work with this team. Um, well, for half a year anyway. <laughs> but uh, I'm going to move on to number 13. In Kevin Chevaldeoff's presser on Sunday, he answered one question. Will Rick Bonus be back behind the bench next year? The answer was yes. Everything else was excuses, justifications, double talk, and jibber-jabber. Um, to be honest, I've seen this before. I didn't expect much. Uh, Chevy talks like a politician. You know, they ask him 10 questions and he really don't get an answer. Uh, you know, I'll t- and I'll tell you something. I'll, I'll agree with a couple things he said. Uh, I'm not a big fan of it, but <laughs> his uh, one of one of his uh, answers was that, well, you know what? There's 16 teams that missed the playoffs that uh, would love to be in our situation. Um, all you got to do is get to the dance, and then he pointed out, you know, L.A. winning the cup as an eight seed and. The shitty thing that happened is he kind of got justified <laughs> the last couple days with uh, the number eight seed Florida Panthers uh, unseating the uh, uh, the record-breaking Boston Bruins, and then the number seven seed Seattle taking out the Stanley Cup champs, which puts more credence into his arguments. With argument, which is uh, probably not what we wanted to hear. I'm always of the opinion that. Ah, and I'm like, like you know, the old poker guys, they, all you need is a chip and a chair. Well, I always think anything can happen if you get in. Now, did I think that this year? Actually, to be honest, I did. I thought that uh, the Jets might be able to give uh, uh, Vegas a run, and, well, they won the first game and were pretty good in the second game. And, well, it didn't work out, so... Uh, <laughs> um, Anything that Kevin Chevaldeoff says, I take with a grain of salt. I, like I say, I've seen it before. Um, it's excuse after excuse, uh, justification after justification. And I really didn't expect much. And I didn't think that two days after, um, two or three days after being knocked out of the playoffs, he was going to come out and you know, give our media his complete uh, summer itinerary of who he's going to trade, who he's going to sign, what the future plans are. If you know True North, and I think I wrote this yesterday on Twitter, uh, <laughs> their cone of silence is impenetrable. Uh, nothing leaks out of that organization. I'm sure they've had talks already about next year, and I'm sure something will be done. What it is, I have no idea, but we'll all know in due time. Number 14. Mikey Acebont was put on waivers by the Jets, but yet he was good enough to be the first star for Tampa in their win over Toronto in Game 5 in Toronto. 
I thought Bones liked guys that are tough and compete. AC Mont is certainly a player with pushback. Has a little bit of a shot at the Jets there. Uh, I don't know why he couldn't have done what uh, Manalainen did. Stan, well, Stanman was a center, but uh, fuck, I, I, I like him better than Appleton. To me, Appleton just skates around in circles like uh, he's like Kyle Connor light without the scoring. <laughs> but uh, I like guys that uh, he's a little bit feisty. He's a lot feisty, actually, and he has heart, but uh, he wasn't good enough for us. Uh, number 15 is uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly, but I did this version for the whole season. So um, I'll start off with the good, obviously. Uh, the good was Connor Hellebuck giving his team a chance to win on most nights. Uh, true. Uh, if it wasn't for Helly, we probably don't even make the playoffs. Uh, also in the good column goes um, the emergence of Josh Morrissey as a true number one defenseman. Um, looks like Bones told him, took the leash off him and said, go boy. Says, well, I know you got game. Uh, let's show it. And sure as shit, Josh really did show it. And the other good thing I liked about this year was the development of Dylan Zamberg. You know, he's one of the few big bodies we have on this team that's a young big body that we're going to have for a few years. Um, I really liked his progression. And uh, for a rookie, he accounted himself fairly well. Or actually, I'm gonna say not fairly well. He 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 played very well. Let's go there. The bad. Oh boy, here we go. The dissing, the disappearing act by Kyle Connor after the All Star break, and the overall poor play of Neil Pionk and Nate Schmidt. Um, Connor usually disappears uh, playoff time, but this year he he figured he'd fucking take the year off starting at the All Star break. He was nowhere to be seen. And if you guys remember um, when I was all over him for about three or four or five weeks in my Random Thoughts written article where I was posting all his stats and numbers, uh, it's it's okay for you know a guy to have an off year and maybe score sporadically, but he fucking was off the map after the All-Star break. He had nothing, nothing. And... Uh, um, what used to be one of the most underrated players in the NHL has now become, in my words, one of the most overrated players in the NHL. Um, I don't know that his value is any higher than it would be right now, but he's a guy I'd move out of town. Uh, there's teams that still think he's elite, and um, maybe now it's the time to trade him. Do I see that happening? Not a fucking chance. Chevy, they... <laughs> He loves his picks, and uh, he'll uh, he'll deflect and go back. Oh, well, but what about two years ago when he had 100 points and he had 40 goals and whatever? Yeah, what about it, Chevy? Um, yeah, I'm going to leave it there. I don't want to pick on Kyle anymore. Uh, the ugly was the Jets' power play the whole season, and part of that ugly was because of the guy that's on <laughs> played on the right half wall was Kyle Connor. He uh he wasn't very good on the power play either, but the whole power play was to blame. You know, they overpassed, overpassed, wouldn't shoot, no net front presence. So, yeah, not good. Um, no more random thoughts, but a couple closing things. Um, like I said, Chevy said in his post-game presser, all you got to do is get in, you never know what's going to happen. And fuck what happens. 
Florida beats Boston, Seattle beats Colorado, right? But now I've been reading on Twitter quite a bit the last two days, well, especially today because it's the day after, right? And uh, lots of tweets about, well, obviously Paul Maurice wasn't the problem. Um, he's got players that try hard and uh, and push back, and they won. And push back was the you know the word of the last uh, couple days. And uh, yeah, it was obviously the players. That's why Paul Maurice packed it in. He couldn't get any more out of them, and all that's true. And I'm gonna tell you something. <laughs> I was one of those guys. I wasn't like, and I and I've said this a million times. I was not a Paul Maurice supporter, but nor was I a hater. Because for me, like I said, I've been doing this shit a long time. And it's all about the fucking guys on the ice that skate. Coaches can tell them till they're blue in the face. It's the players. Coaches get too much credit when they win. And they take too much heat when they lose. Yeah, you can blame coaches for maybe personnel decisions, maybe system play. But basically, it always comes down to the players on the ice. And I guess the point I'm making is... Before we fucking erect a statue of uh, Paul Maurice for his massive, and it is based on statistics, the biggest upset in NHL history, before we put up that statue, let's just put one point into perspective here. Yes, they were the number eight seed. But last year, they were the number one seed. They won the president's trophy. So how, how did Paul Maurice get them from the president's trophy to the eighth seed? Now, playing devil's advocate, you could say that. So let's put things in perspective. Uh, I was actually <laughs> I was actually happy for Paul Maurice. Uh, props to him. They got it done. But that's a pretty darn good hockey team he's got over there. I mean, really, they lost, what, uh, Jonathan Huberdeau. And they got uh, Matthew Kachuk back. I'd take that trade off any day. <laughs> Uh, plus a couple defensemen, blah, 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 but whatever. Uh, congrats to Florida. Congrats to Pomo. But uh, we'll hold back on the statue for now. <laughs> um, that's it. We're at 40 minutes already, 42 minutes. So I think we'll wrap it up. But um, once again, thank you guys for putting up with me. Um, we'll be back next week. A little more concentration on the Winnipeg ice and the Manitoba Moose. And I apologize for ignoring the moose so much this year but you know what i don't like writing about them if i have been watching their games and i haven't watched them much this year whereas the last few years i watched uh, quite a few quite a bit of their hockey and i don't like basing stuff on statistics because statistics are misleading you know all you gotta do is look at the winnipeg jets leading goal scorer not leading goal scorer leading scorer Anyway, check us out at winnipeghockeytalk.com spotify apple google wherever We'll be back again next week and we'll do it all over again. Until then, see you later.